The views and opinions of those who talk and appear on the AK Swish podcast are their own. Listener's discretion is advised. Let's, uh, let's take a break. Let's cool off, okay? Let's get some frozen yogurt or something. No. A break from us. I thought we were broken up. We were on a break. That, for all I knew, could last forever. That, to me, is a break up. You think you're going to get out of this on a technicality? Look, I'm not trying to get out of anything, okay? I thought our relationship was dead. Well, you sure had a hell of a time at the wake. Huh? We were on a break. We were on a break. Okay. You know, Ross, why don't you just put that on your answering machine? We were on a break. We were on a break. <laughs> This is the AK Swish Podcast. All right. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 35 of the AK Swish Podcast. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Bit of a different type of show today. It's happened one other time before. Don't get too used to it, but just going to be me today. And we missed you guys. We were technically on a break. It's been a few weeks since we have talked to you out there. Again, Andrew will be back next week. And again, you're going to get a heavy dose of myself, Kyle Cornell, with you guys today, uh, talking just uh, some big topics that that have uh, kind of manifested. And of course, we're going to finish it up with one thing bothering me, but we're going to start with the Major League Baseball playoffs. I'm going to get to Browns. I'm going to get to uh, NFL, college football. There's a topic that actually someone else, uh, one of our fans wanted me to get into that I'm going to bring up as well, and we're going to kind of segue that into next week too with Andrew when he gets back because it involves a team he used to play for, uh, believe it or not, as far as football goes. And speaking of football, we're going to check in on the fantasy football uh, league. Uh, pretty much almost wrapped up with week six. we got a big uh, a big night tonight as well for a couple guys in the league. But other than that, most of these scores are final, so we'll kind of look at the standings and give you guys an update on that as well. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started. The Major League Baseball playoffs are in full swing. We're in the championship series of uh, of both of these sides of the bracket here. And I'll tell you what, man. Uh, Andrew and I hit one of these matchups directly on the head, and the other one uh, I'm pretty sure we both picked wrong. <laughs> I mean, it is a, a strange, strange game that they play out there. You know, uh, on the one side, we got exactly what we expected. We got the Yankees. And we got the Astros. I think everyone kind of thought this is what was going to happen. I had a little bit of hope, a little bit of faith that Tampa Bay would be able to pull it out and win uh, that that big game five against Houston. But just too much Astros. Uh, and now in their series, tied one game apiece uh, Sunday evening, a walk-off home run from Carlos Correa giving the Astros a game back after the Yankees just dominated game one, seven to nothing. Masahiro Tanaka looking great in that game too, but... And for the most part, the Yankees, pitching-wise, have looked fine. I mean, they pulled Paxton out early uh, in the Sunday night game. And, uh, again, there's so much talent on the Houston team. Someone's going to hit a home run at some point, especially at home. I, I kind of saw that coming. I stopped watching after a certain point because I knew it just the Yankees didn't have it. You know, if, 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 There's just certain games where you kind of figure, all right, this, this, we got our one game on the road. It's going to be a tough series, I think. Andrew and I both had it going pretty far. I had it going seven, and I have Houston winning. I think it's going to be a lot similar to what you saw Sunday night as far as what the series is going to be, uh, as far as the final game, I would say, game seven. I would think in Houston, too, it's going to be a back-and-forth close game, whether it's 2-2 two to two or 6-6 six to six or whatever. It's going to be a close game, and one team is going to hit that big hit either to take the lead or to walk it off, and... Unfortunately, I still think Houston's going to win this series in seven. I think they just have too much talent. And I consider this this playoff run altogether very similar to the 2007 playoffs in Major League Baseball. I'll kind of give you the backstory on that. It was the Rockies that came out of the National League, kind of unexpected, kind of out of nowhere, 
had a great run that year and ended up getting the job uh, done in the National League-wise and getting to the World Series. But the American League had two powerhouse teams battling it out in a seven-game series. It was the Indians and it was the Red Sox. And I said then, too, I was just a wee lad. What was I, like 13, uh, maybe 12, that uh, whoever wins this American League Championship Series is going to win the World Series. And Boston goes uh, in 2007 and, and just blows the doors off of the uh, the Rockies, sweeps them, and wins the World Series. So, I mean, it, that that kind of feels like what, what this is going to be because this is the real World Series right now if you're the Yankees and the, and the Astros. I know technically they will be a series afterwards, but uh, the, the only team that would maybe scare me would be Washington because they have better pitching uh, as far as their top three guys. You know, you look at Strasburg, you look at Scherzer, you look at Corbin, who wanted to be a Yankee but uh, got an extra year and – a little more security from the Nationals, so he took that uh, deal to go to D.C. But, I mean, in all honesty, it's 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 kind of shaping up to be something like that. I, I could be wrong. It could be a great, entertaining World Series. And recently we've seen some pretty good ones. But it just feels like these two teams are the two best teams in baseball. And it seems like all the Dodgers did by losing to the Nationals was just kind of take care of what they were going to eventually do later on in the year, right? I mean, that's what it seems kind of like they did. They, they, they seem to blow those opportunities late in the World Series or they'll get to the NLCS, seven straight Amer- uh, National League West Championships, and they've resulted in zero championships overall, zero World Series. And then that's that's an issue. they got to get sorted out. But this has always seemed like the matchup, right? The Yankees and the Astros seems like this, this is it. It happened in 2017. Uh, my Yankees are up three to one. They blew that one, and uh, now who knows what's going to happen? It's one game apiece. They're going back to New York. Their game three will be on Tuesday, I believe, Tuesday afternoon, late afternoon, three, four o'clock, something like that. Going to be fun. Going to be interesting. It's going to be, I believe, what is it? It's it's going to be um, ah yeah, it's going to be Cole, who could be a very you know could end up being a future Yankee at some point here, uh, taking on uh, the Yankees. And Luis Severino, uh, who came back at the end of the year and started throwing dimes, which I'm really impressed with. And hopefully he can kind of keep the ship going on a, for a team in Houston that loves hitting lefties. They they love batting against lefties. And the bullpen, as we know with the Yankees, is full of talented lefties. Uh, it's good to have a righty out there that can, that can dominate. So we'll see what... Severino does. I have my concerns. I'm a Yankee fan through and through. I want them to win. Andrew projected them to win the World Series. It's been 10 years since they've gotten to and or won one. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope they do it. On the other side, the Nationals have done something that 20 other teams have done, which is win the first two games of the ALCS series or the L, sorry, the championship series on the road. And those 20 other teams, they're 20 and 0 uh, in championship series when winning those first two games on the road. So we're going to see what Washington does. They, I believe, have Strasburg going tonight uh, in a big matchup. And for St. Louis, your back's against the wall, man. You lose this uh, down three games to none. I mean, it's going to be pretty damn hard. I mean, the Red Sox had that talent. The Cardinals have some good pieces, and I'm a big Paul Goldschmidt fan. I I like the Cardinals because they're kind of a very – What's the word I'm looking for? Very traditional type team when it comes to these type of series. and It's cool to see them in the final four, if you will, of Major League Baseball, but there's too much pitching for the Nationals. and They've got good hitters. They're not great. You know, I like uh, Juan Soto and a couple other guys, but there's something missing with the Nationals, and maybe it's the bullpen that I'm not too sold on. I don't know what it is, but... If they get to, and they most likely will get to the World Series, barring a, a huge collapse that I wouldn't foresee coming because Washington's been probably the hottest team uh, in baseball now for the better part of the past two months, I, I would imagine they'll be waiting uh, for a little bit because the Yankee-Astro series should go at least six, I would think seven games. So my projections were still Houston and L.A. Uh, if the uh, Yankees win and go to the uh, World Series, I will – be completely glad that I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, I will have no problem with that. But uh, it's yet to be seen. It's going to be entertaining by what I believe by next Sunday when we record. Um, it would be a, be a game seven possibly for the Yankees and the Astros. So um, as far as the uh, Cardinals and 
Nationals will be Game 7 that Saturday. So either way, we're either going to be done with both these series or we're at least going to know who won the NL uh, by next Sunday. So this coming Sunday. So that that's a plus. So by our next show, we'll have our World Series matchup most likely intact or we'll be right on the brink of figuring out who's going to get there. Um, and of course, we'll uh, if it's a Game 7 in the ALCS, we'll, we'll air our, our predictions for that and it's going to be... Uh, Gonna be fun. Gonna be interesting to see what happens with that. So, definitely wanted to touch on the Major League Baseball playoffs because it's been a big, big topic uh, for a lot of people, and uh, especially, uh, especially us. So, uh, we're gonna move on now. I want to thank you guys again. This is the AK Swish Podcast uh, here on the Anchor app, Spotify, Apple, wherever you find your podcast, you can find us. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, so, let's move on now. We're gonna talk uh, a little bit of of Browns. You know. I, we're going into the bye week. I should say they are going into the bye week at two and four. You know, I want to point out something, and it's something that's been bothering me throughout the entire season. It, it, and Andrew's been capitalizing on this hard about this sophomore slump stuff. About you know this uh, eleven interceptions or whatever turnovers, and, and how many games is the most for the Browns since the eighties or whatever the early eighties. I mean, listen. Okay, they're playing. Some of the best football teams in all of in all of the NFL. Period. They got the gauntlet laid out here early on. Besides the Jets, and I guess you could argue the Titans to an extent, but the Titans are still one of those teams that I feel will be, you know, seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven by the end of the year because they're just too they're too good, but they're not great. If that makes sense. I don't know if maybe you can, you know, hit me up on Facebook at the AK Swish Podcast Facebook page or you can tweet me at AK Swish Pod and tell me if you think I'm wrong. But the Titans are one of those teams that are just, they're good but not great. They're going to win some games. They're going to look bad and lose some games. But, you know, they'll, they find ways to be decent. Does it mean they're going to win anything? Probably not. But it, as far as, you know, you know, Lombardi trophies or <laughs> AFC South. It's probably not, but they're always around the wild card. They're always in it. I, I would very be very surprised if you see a, a five and eleven season from anyway. We're not talking about the Titans. We're talking about the Browns. Look at the teams they faced. A team like the LA Rams, who, mind you, I, I get it, is falling off a little bit here. After a great start, the Rams right now. Uh, sitting at 500 at three and three, but we all know the Rams are the defending NFC, you know, champions. They're they're a very talented team. They just ran into some good teams too. We're gonna forget about you know the 49ers who may right now be the best overall team in football. And you went to their home stadium, Levi Stadium, beautiful place, and and got your ass kicked. By possibly the best team in football right now. Then they play Seattle, who's known to be a great road team, obviously a great home team too, but again, one of the best teams in football. They're five and one. And you lost by four points. And despite Mayfield throwing three interceptions that probably two of which should have been caught, the one or uh the one was a mistake with with the routes run. It was a crossing route, I believe, with Jarvis and Odell, or one of the, or Callaway and, and Jarvis, one of the two, and they ran into each other. And a quick slant that's supposed to be a knee-jerk decision from Mayfield that's supposed to be out of my hands in less than a second turns into an interception, an easy one. That's the only one I could say, you know what, he probably should have taken a second to read it because, you know, he wasn't getting thrown down too much in the ball game, But... The other two, listen, you want to argue behind your receiver, Andrew will, be, will tell you 100% about this. If it hits you in the hands, make the damn catch. Seven of Mayfield's 11 interceptions this year have been off the hands of his receivers. I don't care if it's a tick behind. You're getting paid billions of dollars, millions and millions and millions of dollars to make these catches. No, he's, he's getting paid millions of dollars to make the throws. Well, you know what? They're not bad throws. <laughs> but then again, 
this comes back as well to play calling. And it's something that I've echoed throughout my entire spiel about the Browns since they hired Freddie Kitchens as head coach. I don't think that was a good move. Freddie Kitchens is a great offensive mind. And he, he very well could be the answer head coach. It's still so early. And this team could go 2-6 and six through their first eight games and still find a way to win nine games and be in the playoff hunt. Seriously. That's how the back end of the schedule was looking. But I will say this. The NFC West is stacked. And we cannot take Arizona lightly uh, now lightly either, really, with Kyler Murray playing the way he has. With no offensive line and as great as Larry Fitzgerald has been, he's, he's old. And they're still finding a way to win games out there. They got two wins. Didn't see that coming. Two, three, and one was not on my uh, not on my planned list for the Cardinals after six games to be practically five hundred. It's it's crazy. Seriously, is it's it's about taking the lumps as a team that listen. And this is something that I think I've talked with Andrew about as well when it comes to the Browns. It's a lot of talent: Odell Beckham Jr., Sheldon Richardson. Olivier Vernon, Jarvis Landry, you know Baker Mayfield, all these guys, Miles Garrett, great talents, huge, 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 great talents. Excuse me. The one issue, none of them have won yet. What was Odell's highest win total? Has he played more than 12, 13 games in a season? No, I don't think so. Same thing with Vernon. Sheldon Richardson's had some success. But a D-tackle can only do so much. Miles Garrett's been on the Browns his entire career and hasn't seen a winning season yet. Jarvis Landry played for the Miami Dolphins before he came here. That should tell you more than enough. They gotta learn how to win first. And they gotta learn how to win these close games against superior, talented teams, too. I'm not saying that Seattle has pound-for-pound, player-for-player better talented players, but they have a quarterback who is stout, consistent, does not turn the ball over, and makes plays consistently and doesn't get hurt, which is huge. The entire second half, Baker Mayfield's playing with that bum hip. Listen, you, you could say what you want about the guy turning the ball over, you know, he's uh, he's making mistakes, he's not the guy, whatever. And it's all ridiculous. It's true, I mean, he threw in 11 interceptions. There's no going around that. But, as I mentioned before, probably, what, maybe, maybe three of those picks, maybe three were his fault? In the grand scheme of things, when the ball goes off, your hands catch it. But that's beside the point. This man will fight on any team to make them the best they possibly can. And that's an endearing quality for a player that's willing not to give up. He could have came out of that game and just left. We could have seen the AAF's number one all-time leading passer, Gary Gilbert, get in there, and who knows what's going to happen. But Mayfield bit down on the bullet. You know, slapped himself in the face a few times, poured some cold water in his jock, and he ran back out there and played. There's something to be said about having that kind of mindset. And being that kind of leader. You need to be able to be that kind of leader when you're winning. And you need to be able to be that kind of leader when you're losing. And he's held himself accountable for his issues. But sometimes you got to be able to to take shots at people when they need it too. And the referees need to get their shit together. It's one thing for teams to beat up on the Browns. And and, you know do the chirping hand gestures and all that stuff. That's fine because the Browns earned that. They talked a lot of shit. However, it's another for referees to lose their damn mind, and they need sometimes you need to swallow the whistle. The big play everyone's talking about is the Jarvis Landry block, where he did not even initiate the contact. He went to, to basically just hold up a block going downfield, and the defender ran into him, but he got called for an illegal hit. Laughable. Laughable. Does it change the game? I don't know. 
Do the Browns win because of that ball, that call not being made? I don't know. Probably not. But it's about execution. And now the Browns have two full weeks of practice with everybody there, right? Because I don't know how many more GD games I'm going to try and restrain myself from doing big swear words today. I'm going to try. I don't, I don't know how many more games Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward can miss. Listen, I've met Denzel Ward. He's a great guy. He's done a lot of great things for the Cleveland community, too. He needs to get his ass on the field. They both do. This backup cornerback situation was cute for a game or two, but now it's getting serious. We saw with the Rams end up being a big problem with Cooper Cup. Caught both, he caught two touchdowns from Jared Goff. It's one of the reasons why the Browns lost, because he was wide open running those seam routes, running crossing routes over the middle. You gotta have your cover guys out there. They got two weeks. Get healthy, get on the field. Browns offense now has two weeks to get themselves together. Because <laughs> guess what? It's about to get really fucking hard. New England is two weeks away. And Lord knows what they're going to be like. <laughs> they're 6-0. and They're the best team in football right now. New England's got the Jets on Monday Night Football and then the Browns at 425 on CBS the following Sunday the 27th. Let me tell you something. All right? The Jets are going to be fine because Sam Darnold is back and he's hopefully he doesn't get another case of mono. That's the only way they'd lose more games. But the Jets will be the Jets are a decent team. They've got some good talent, kind of like the Browns. The Browns are more talented at wide receiver, but running backs, I consider Chubb and Le'Veon Bell in the same arena now because Chubb has proven that he is the, the star of his offense. Say what you want about Odell, but who's been the most consistent player on offense so far this season? <laughs> Nick Chubb. Top five in rushing, gets in the end zone, makes plays. Defensively, the Jets, the Browns, very similar. New England's going to have a tough test. Oh, and by the way, it's in New York. Now, granted, Tom Brady loves playing in New York, but still. And I don't think the Patriots are going to lose that game. I think they're going to win. So you're facing a 7-0 Patriots team in Foxborough, but on a short week for them. For them. And you're going to have two weeks to prepare. Two things need to happen in that game at New England. One, you need to score 30 plus points in that game. Sorry. It needs to be done. This offense is too talented overall from the running backs to the receivers to the tight ends even. Even some of these Farrell Brown Demetrius Harris, Ricky Seals-Jones, are they household names? No, but use them. They're all big as hell. They'll make the plays that your your backup, backup running back, Dontrell Hilliard, can't make. And like I said, part of that goes back to play calling in Freddie Kitchens because when you have Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and Antonio Callaway on the field, you probably shouldn't be throwing the ball to Dontrell Hilliard. Sorry. Andrew wants to talk about touches for the team, but I think we all know who should get the ball in crunch time. Also, where the hell is Hollywood Higgins at? He wasn't even listed on the roster. On the injured list for the Browns. He's got two weeks. Get healthy. Get on the field, man. My goodness. It's crazy. It literally is. I I can't believe what this has all come to, man. Ugh. And you got people losing their mind. Friend of the show, friend of mine, co-worker, one of the members of the AK Swish Fantasy Football League, Double A, Anthony Alford, calling this trash. Saying Freddie Kitchens isn't the guy for the job. Listen, I told everyone what I would have done with my coaching scenarios, okay? I would have kept Freddie Kitchens as the offensive coordinator. I would have hired Steve Wilkes as the head coach, defensive guy. And I would have offered Greg Williams the D.C. job. He's not getting another head coaching job. He proved that. He's the D.C. in New York for the Jets. 
No other team was going to offer Greg Williams a head coaching job. Plain and simple. So wouldn't you want the familiarity of a defense? Wouldn't you want, you know, the familiarity with the team? Now you've got a repartee with the tween with the, the entire I was a tween with the team that you're at, that you've been successful with. And then you bring in Wilkes, who got a, a raw deal in Arizona. Kitchen still gets to call the plays, and he gets to run the offense. That's all he has to worry about. Now he's got to run the offense. He's got to worry about being a head coach. Too much. And like I said, he can still figure it out. There's still hope. But damn, man. Put a lot on this dude's plate. And that's a baptism by fire thing. I compared this Browns team to the 49ers last year. The way the schedule panned out, the way injuries have panned out, a lot of the expectations because of your quarterback who had success in a different situation, but now it's this situation. And the Browns could very well go 5-11 and or 6-10. and The sky is not falling. It's not playoffs or bust this year. It really isn't. This is about building a team. When you add these kind of talented players, it's about building a team. Your goal every year is to make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. Let's not get it twisted. But you have to be able to grow and become a full team. And it takes time. The Patriots have been a successful franchise over the past two decades because they've been able to build and grow and adapt as a team. John Dorsey has shown, like in Kansas City, when he drafted Patrick Mahomes, when he drafted Travis Kelsey, when he drafted Tyree Kill, when he drafted Kareem Hunt, before all that stuff went down, that he knows how to build a team. Give it time. Pace yourselves. The NFL did the Browns absolutely no favors. Absolutely no favors. When they scheduled their first eight games of the year. Let's look at it. They get the Patriots. Then they go to Denver. Tough place to play, but Denver's been vulnerable. Home against the Bills, good team. Buffalo will be good. We'll see where they are in four weeks, three weeks, whatever it is, but Buffalo's still a pretty good team. Defense has always been good. Uh, Josh Allen's been playing a lot better at quarterback. We'll see where they're at in a few weeks. Then home against the Steelers in Thursday Night Football. Home against the Dolphins, awful. Pittsburgh should be a win. Miami should be a win. Then they go to Pittsburgh. So they get Pittsburgh two times in three weeks. I love when they schedulers do that stupid stuff. Then, home against the Bengals. On the road in Arizona. Home against the Ravens. On the road against the Bengals. So looking at these, I can tell you right now, they should sweep Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. They, listen. Devlin Hodges and Mason Rudolph shouldn't beat this team. Sorry. Plain and simple. At either place. But for 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 whatever sake, we'll say they take three out of four of those games. They're going to sweep Cincinnati most likely, and then they, they beat Pittsburgh one out of two. So there's three more wins. So the Browns right now are two and four. Give them those three, that's five. Okay? They should beat the Dolphins. That's six. And you got New England, you have Denver, and you have Arizona, and then Baltimore. I think Baltimore wins that second game, though it will be later on in the season. We'll see where the teams are at, but I'd give that one to Baltimore. I They should be able to beat the Patriots. They really should. It sounds crazy, but New England's not going 16-0 this year. If someone's going to beat them, and the Browns have, for some reason, have a really good track record against New England. I don't know why, but... 
So out of curiosity's sake, let's say they lose to the Patriots, they beat the Broncos, they lose to the Bills, beat the Steelers, beat the Dolphins, beat the, or lose to the Steelers, beat the Bengals. We'll say they beat the Cardinals because it's a little bit too much in favor of Mayfield. Lose to the Ravens, beat the Bengals. So what would that be? Two and five, three and five, three and six, four and six, five and six, five and seven, six and seven, seven and seven, eight and eight. Andrew is jumping up and down in his chair right now. Very realistic, guys. Very realistic to start this season three and five. It's not the end of the world. It really is. Pump the brakes, take a deep breath, and realize that it's not all make or break for this year. Listen, the people that came out and said that Baker Mayfield's an MVP candidate, that said that the Browns are a Super Bowl contender this year, are crazy. I felt crazy saying 11 wins. I did. But the way the schedule ended up in the second half of the year, I thought there'd be a good chance. And they've played these teams tough. Think about it. Besides the 49er debacle and then the Tennessee bullshit that was, again, just a thing that got away from them to an extent, they've played the better teams tough. You lost to the Rams by seven. Late. You lost to the Seahawks by four. Late. They wiped the floor with, with Baltimore. They wiped the floor with the Jets. I don't know. Am I crazy? I don't know. It's not that bad. You're a hair away from right now from being possibly, what, 4-2? and two? Lord knows if they were 4-2 and two and 5-1, and one, this town would be going nuts. They'd be going literally crazy. Just give it some time. Let them grow a little bit. Other surprising things around the NFL that kind of stood out to me this past week. I wanted to talk about this, too, because... Some things have been uh, surprising. We can talk about the Rams for a second. What the hell's happened to Jared Goff? <laughs> like, oh my goodness. Is this thing as a junior slump? Andrew wants to talk about these sophomore slumps. My God. The Rams are in trouble. Talk about another loss. Granted, to a 49er, 49er team, like I said, it's probably the best overall team in the league right now. No offense to New England, but San Francisco is just a complete team. Defensively stout. Offensively, they got weapons. They got a quarterback. They got wide receivers. Their, their season relies on Jimmy G staying healthy. Is he going to win the MVP this year? No. He's not going to put up those kind of stats, I don't think. But he is... Colin Kaepernick-esque as far as playing. He will be able to lift you when it matters most. He can lead a team, and he better be able to. They gave him a shit ton of money. The Rams got some stuff to figure out. Because when Todd Gurley's not playing, it's getting a little tough for him. Thought that was interesting. I also thought something that was interesting this week was the Cowboys. Losing their third straight. Sorry, Dallas losing to the Jets. The Jets were 0-4 going into the game. Dak Prescott, 28-42-27. Ran three times for 11 yards and a score. Mazik Elliott doing his thing. Looking good. But Sam Darnold. 338 yards passing, two touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell. 50 yards and a score. Robbie Anderson with a touchdown and 125 yards receiving. Demarius Thomas finally looked like a receiver again, which was great. Like I said, Jets will be fine. No reason to panic if you're a Jets fan. I'd almost like to say the same thing for the Steelers and for Steelers fans out there. I mean, yeah, it sucks. Ben's out for the year. I'm of the mindset he's not going to retire. I'm the mindset that he's going to be here 
uh, you know, come next season. You just kind of roll with the punches. No pun intended. I mean, so what? It's Mason Rudolph and it's Devlin Hodges now. Hodges didn't look too damn bad. I mean, granted, again, think about who you're facing. For Pittsburgh. The Chargers have been awful. I don't know what the hell happened to them. And I am uh, not too thrilled with my fantasy quarterback, Phillip Rivers. I'm glad that I started Kyler Murray because that's my next point here. What the hell is going on in Arizona? If you would have told me through six games that Arizona would have a better record than the Browns, I'd say prove it. And you'd say look at the standings, and I'd be like, well, you're right. (laughs) What the hell, man? And Kyler's looking good. So is Matt Ryan. We can't take away what Matt Ryan's been able to do this season. 2,000 yards, 21 touchdowns already in just uh, just six games, but the Falcons are 1-5 because they don't have a defense. Uh, it's a damn shame. People telling me Julio Jones was going to get into the end zone more this year. It's good. He's already got four touchdowns, so that's a plus. But, man, Kyler Murray looking great. 340 yards to the air, three touchdowns, 32 yards on the ground. Targeting Larry Fitzgerald, targeting David Johnson, who's been a big ad. Cardinals, man. Cardinals. Right there. That NFC West is so damn tough. Oh. There's other things I wanted to get into with the NFL. Um, The Titans benching Marcus Mariota in a 16-0 loss to the uh, Denver Broncos. The Tennessee Titans now... Two and four. The Broncos also two and four. The school, the score, I should say, will not fool you. It was a defensive game. Tannehill came in, did okay, threw a pick, but completed like a shit ton of passes. He was like thirteen of sixteen. Did fine. Tennessee's in a weird spot. I almost wonder if maybe Mariota needs to go somewhere else. I don't know. <sighs> Sorry, I'm tired. Woo! It's been a minute since I talked this much. All right. Uh, what are the things that I want to hit on the NFL? Yeah, the LA teams. We we mentioned it briefly with uh, the games. I mean, the Chargers and the Rams. The Rams three and three. The Chargers two and four. Is it concerning? Kind of. Both these two were supposed to be kind of the cream of the crop. Right now, looking more like the crop of shit. But I, I don't know what's uh, what the deal is. You know, the Rams are uber talented. They got a lot of people that can make plays, and the uh, the Chargers again, same kind of thing, just not coming to fruition yet. Was it because Melvin Gordon missed time? I don't know. He's getting slowly worked back into the offense, but we're gonna see. Uh, what they do with that. Weird. Another thing I want to talk about, two NFC South quarterbacks. Everyone knows who listens to the show. I am a diehard Saints fan. Teddy Bridgewater looking pretty damn good as the Saints starting quarterback, 4-0 now. But a caveat with that is the defense has been phenomenal. Bridgewater did have one game where he threw four touchdowns and no picks. That was a nice game, but the other three have really been defensive dominated. 13-6 to final over Jacksonville. No Jalen Ramsey in that ball game. The Saints win. They are 5-1. and one. I am impressed, but when 9 is ready, 9 needs to be starting again. Sorry for all you Teddy Bridgewater fans, including Andrew out there. Teddy's good. And this is a po- a promising sign for me in case Breeze can't get back or gets hurt again or whatever it is because I know that he can do some things. But Drew Breeze is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Drew Breeze still has it. There's no reason to rush him back, but there's also no reason to say that he won't be the starter when he is fully healthy. It's for that reason that right now I'm looking up the Saints bye week because I want to see when... They get a chance to breathe a little bit. And it'll be after the Cardinals game. So they get the Bears Sunday at, at 425. 
this coming Sunday. Then they get the uh, the Cardinals in New Orleans. Then a bye week. Then they get the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah. Fine with that. If you want to hold Breeze out three more weeks, have him come back against Atlanta, no problem with that. Bridgewater has done more than what he uh, what he could have been asked to do. They could lose to the Bears, and they could lose to the Cardinals, and that's four and two for Bridgewater is a hell of a lot better. People are right to say it's off, but this this is a different team than these these previous teams that Breeze has had. This defense is the anchor point. Marshawn Lattimore, Cam Jordan, Von Bell. Oh, Marcus Davenport, the new guy that is drafted. As much as I hate to say it, Sheldon Rankins. Who I still think was a bust where he was picked, but I mean he's been able to do well enough to get by and then be solid enough to warrant the warrant the selection to an extent. I mean, it's a defensive team now. And then Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas lead the offense when Breeze isn't playing. When Breeze is playing, he's got some toys to play with. Jared Cook has looked good in spots. Ted Ginn is always a threat to be a deep ball, you know, monster and can still make plays over the middle. This team is damn good. We'll see. But again, I think Breeze should be the guy. Now, the other team that's in the NFC South that's been dealing with some quarterback issues and have seen the better side of things, how about the Carolina Panthers, 4-2, and two, without Cam Newton, Kyle Allen. The old Arkansas boy. Looking pretty, pretty, pretty good. All he's done all he's done this year is complete 65% of his passes throw seven touchdowns and get no picks and win ball games. That's all Kyle Allen has done. Damn impressive. Just saying. Just saying. Good relationship with McCaffrey. Getting better with DJ Moore, their number one receiver. Wow. Cam is in trouble. Because there's always been a problem with Cam since that 2015 season. It's been the fact that he can't stay healthy. He takes a licking. But Kyle Allen's not going to run the football. This is the prototypical, you know, pocket passing type quarterback. He's just going to make some quick plays. He's going to almost the West Coast type quarterback on the East Coast. He's going to make some quick plays. Check down to McCaffrey. Not go out of himself. Not turn the ball over. He's the Alex Smith of this team. And let me tell you something, Alex Smith's got some pretty good seasons out of his run before that dead leg snapped in half. Just saying. Keep an eye out. All right. Let's move on. Good talk the NFL there. We're almost done with NFL talk completely. I want to talk about this, uh, this fantasy football league we got going on over here. Uh... So, we're about six weeks through. We can take a look at the official standings uh, through five total weeks. Um, We got Jason Lawrence. It's two divisions. The East Division is uh, Jason Lawrence, Andrew, Ryan Parente, myself, all three and two, Cody Dingus, and Mark Wesolowski falling behind Dingus at two and three, and Tim Dingus, Baker's Dozen. Mark Wesolowski after the hot start, and he scores a lot of points. Um, he is 1-4. Tough stop for Mark. On the other side, the West Division, uh, Team Alford, Anthony Alford, 4-1. Best record in the AK Switch Fantasy Football League. Impressive. Scoring points, not allowing too many. Uh, two more teams at 3-2. and two. Uh, Team Calta Calta and Team Frederick. That's Anthony Frederick, Andrew's brother. Uh, then Leroy Legends, which is uh, Zach... Ristamecki, Ristamecki, I think it is. Yeah, Ristamecki, I don't know. Uh, bye week, which is Mike Badinsky. He's 2-3 and three as well. And then Derek Gaither, say quantify this, 
Number one pick in the draft, remember, one and four record. And you look at the matchups this week. Uh, it's looking, and I believe, barring a miracle, which means Marvin Jones would have to go off, that uh, Derek will hold off Andrew. So Derek will probably get a second win. Andrew will fall to three and three. Um, another matchup, I believe, is set in stone and all done. Mark Weselowski should win his second game. He'll beat Leroy Legends and Zach Ristamaki. Uh, you look at then Ryan Parente and uh, Team Tuna versus Bye Week and Mike Badinsky. It looks like Badinsky will go to four and two. He's going to hold off Team Tuna, who at one point was the number one team in the league, but then lost to myself last week, then lost this week. And then uh, it looks like barring a big game from Aaron Jones, maybe Jason Lawrence and run CMC, led by Christian McCaffrey and company. Uh, he could be taking out the top team in the league with Anthony Alford. And uh, it'd be a big win for, for Jason. He'd be 4-2. and two. Then myself, well, actually we'll talk about Team Dingus too. I think Cody just forgot to set his lineup because he's got Brissett as his quarterback on a bye. He's got the Buffalo defense on a bye. So Anthony's going to run away with that one and get to 4-2 uh, and two as well. And then myself and Brandon in our matchup. It's going to be tight. My team is done, 137.1 points. He's got Aaron Rodgers. I think it's Kev – is it Kenny Galladay? Yep. Ooh, I got a name right for once. Sweet. And uh, Mason Crosby going tonight to Monday Night Football. So we'll see where that goes. I'm a little nervous, but, uh, yeah. So we'll see. I'm excited. Got a nice lead, 137.1 to 77.5. I'm trying to go 4-0 the league. Final projection standings have has myself finishing first, which I'm all in favor for. Uh, means I get to keep the belt, which is going to be fun. Uh, then they have Anthony finishing second. Mark Wesolowski, despite the one and four start, finishing third. And fourth place would be... I don't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anthony. In case you're wondering, by the way, uh, they have Andrew finishing 10th, which I hope happens. Uh, quick break. Be right back. Stay with us. Sorry for the pause, and we're back. All right, yeah, you ever get those uh, those tummy grumbles where you just gotta get out of there? Yeah. <laughs> well, that just uh, that just happened to me. So okay, we're back. Uh, we're moving on. We just talked a little bit about the standings, about hopefully uh, I can get to four and two in that uh, in our AK Switch Fantasy Football League. I just want to make the the final four. Like I, I've I've tempered my expectations. I just want to get there. You know, I want to be in the conversation for it. It's it's going to be a nice title belt. Again, it's ordered. It's going to be here shortly, hopefully. So I'm just looking forward to hopefully being uh, in that final four. Winning would be great, but I'm not going to set myself up for failure here. I just kind of want to see where it goes, guys. So there's that. Uh, we're going to skip the college football talk this week uh, due to time constraints and the fact that, again, I want to have Andrew hit a bounce, different stuff off him. One big thing I will mention from college football, though, is that Georgia lost – so that just threw a wrench in that fucking everything. And then LSU beat Florida, so there you go. Uh, handily by two touchdowns. So that's a big difference. But uh, there was a thing that, again, the, I've, ironically enough, the guy I'm facing this week in fantasy football brought to my attention, uh, Brandon Colta, about Normandy. Uh, Normandy High School here in Parma canceling the rest of their JV football season because they need the players for their varsity because they don't have enough players. You know, it's an age-old argument in, in the uh, one of the biggest suburbs in the country here in Parma uh, about what they should do with the high schools as far as combining all three together and or leaving them alone. Because there's three high schools. There's Parma High, there's Normandy High School, and there's Valley Forge, all part of the Parma City School District. It's It's been that weird kind of question. Where's the space to put all the kids if you do combine to one school? 
I mean, the sports teams would be dramatically improved. Because anytime you combine three high schools, you're getting the best of each crop, you know, the best of each area, the best of each you know, of school. So, I mean, as far as product on the field court, whatever is concerned, it would be, uh, be drastically improved. But that's the issue, of course, about how to handle, you know, anywhere from maybe a four to 5,000 student school, which would be a lot. Um, but about this, man, it's crazy to me. It's crazy. They can't even field a JV team. Man. And if, if you're from the area, you know these teams. They go through stretches. Parma stretch was from, I think, like what, like 2006, 2007 through maybe, maybe 2010, 2011, where they were good. Currently, Valley Forge is the team that's been playing well. Holy Names, that, that Wild Card 2 and Padawan Holy Name are kind of separate, but not really in the area. In Parma, Parma Heights, but not really considered part of the Parma schools because they're private. But still, they're always fairly good for the most part. <clears throat> Normandy had, I believe, the early 2000s, I want to say. Still a shocker. A lot of kids live around here. A lot of kids love to play football and they can't get enough. So I'm gonna I wanted to bring it up. I'm gonna save the majority of this for next week, but I wanted to bring it to you guys' attention because it's it's a weird topic that I did not expect to see. I know Normandy's not great. I know they lost their homecoming game to Parma too. They they lost bad and Parma's bad and Forge is decent and I'm just kind of perplexed at this point. Don't know why there's not anyone playing football for uh for Normandy. But with that being said. I've had something on my mind for weeks now, and I've been waiting to get it off my chest. And it's the one thing bothering me. We've talked about it before. We've dedicated a lot of time on this show, actually, talking about this. And I've come up with a plan that I think would work for paying college athletes. California has passed that fair act, play-to-play, bullcrap, rule, whatever it is, where players can go out and get their money. That's fine. I have issues with this. So about on average, how many how what percentage of players that play college sports make it to the professionals? Whether it be football, baseball, basketball, whatever. One percent. If you are really banking on your entire career for this sport, for that sport, whatever you're doing, it's ludicrous to me. Unless you are that kind of talent, like the the Zions of the world, the LeBrons of the world, whatever. So I've come up with a proposal to share the wealth. Part one of this proposal, and me being a coach, I understand how important it is now. Again, I haven't uh, had my first practice yet with my team. We're still working on open gyms, and I get the uh, official ruling tomorrow. Uh, Tuesday that that I officially got the job, which is great, but coaches are overpaid for college football, for any sport, college basketball too. Knock those salaries down big time. Big time. Nick Saban don't need to be making $10 million a year. Sorry. (laughs) You really don't. The coaches are overpaid. The coaches that have tenure, that have been there for long periods of time, should be treated differently and should have some say in the team as far as more, but they should also not be paid tens of millions of dollars. The best high school football coach in in the country is not making $5 million a year. Just by bringing that that, that high school probably hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue. He's not making, you know, probably six, seven figures. He's not. Steve Trevisano for mentors probably not making five hundred, seven hundred fifty grand a year as a teacher slash coach. No, <laughs> cut their pay. There's where you save some money. Schools then every single student athlete, mind you, the word student athlete gets free room and board. 
Tuition paid for. Meal plans. The either right before the top of the line or top of the line meal plans paid for. For their entire stay at the university. Period. Period. Every single student athlete. You want college football to pay? You want college sports to pay their students? This is how you pay their students. Think about how much that costs per year, per student. Mind you, there are sports all over the place. Think about it. Oh, it's not fair because swimming doesn't bring in the same money that football does. No. If football can bring in billions of dollars, you know what? They can, they can spread the money around to everybody on the campus and everyone can benefit that's playing a sport. Academic scholarships are a different story. If you're just going to the school in general, you shouldn't get special treatment. But if you're good enough to be on a college team to play Division whatever, one football, whatever it is, to play Division one basketball, to play Division one tennis, whatever it is, you should be given the opportunity to not have to worry about that kind of stuff. If I'm giving you a free place to live, I'm, pay, I'm, I'm, playing, I'm paying for you to live there for free. I'm giving you food for free. I'm giving you an education, a higher learning education for free. Why is there any need for more money? Why? There's no need. You're 18, 19 years old. You go to college to get an education. This is the thing that's lost with me and still is throughout all the bullshit, throughout all the, their adults pay them, whatever. I get that. I get that argument. Believe me, I do. You chose to go here. There are our, there are our, turn, blah, 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 start over, reboot, beep, beep, beep. There are our, well, I can't say that, our alternatives. There we go. There are alternatives to, to playing college sports. If you're that damn good, go play basketball in Europe. Go play basketball in Australia. If you're that damn good, go to the minor leagues in baseball. If you're that damn good, go play in the CFL. Let's see what the XFL does. Will it succeed? Probably not, but let's see. If you're that damn good, go play in the G League. Don't waste your time and the college's time. There are outlets for everyone to do this. And it pisses me off when we think we need to fucking treat these kids more special than what we should be treating them as generally. If you've earned that spot, that's what you should get. Free tuition, Free room and board, free books, whatever, all that shit included. Free meal plans. You are living for free. It's like living at mom and dad's house. They pay for everything. You don't got to worry about going anywhere. Everything's a short walk away. They take care of you. You're covered. And when you get your degree and you leave, you become a regular fucking person. And now you have a college degree that you basically did, you, you got for free, for free. We can get into a whole other argument about how much that should mean, because it should mean something, but we need to realize it's not, the kids that are going to make money from sports are going to make money from sports. as far as beyond college athletics, okay? Think about how much you're putting into a kid then, mind you. I'll get back to that original point. Let's talk about uh, my first year at Toledo. Overall, I'm about, I was about 30 grand or so in the, in the hole. Be it in-state tuition, room and board, food plans, all that stuff. Books, all that stuff. Around 30 grand. 
If I go to school for four years there, that's $120,000 they're investing in me that they would have paid for. I played basketball. There's 15 kids in the basketball team. Anyone know the math? What's what's 15 times $120,000? Anybody? $1.8 million for one team, a basketball team. You want these universities and these schools to give back to students? That's where you start. And then after you regulate this and you get this in order, if you want to start giving allowances to bigger teams to divvy up equally to each player, equally to each player, understandable. Understandable. But it's an easy, easy thought process. If you want to better yourself as a person, you're not going there just for your sports. You're going there for education. So if I give you free education, I give you free places to stay, I give you free food, and you get to play a damn game, a game, for free, for three to four years, that should be good enough. That should be good enough. Period. Oh, well, they can't make any... What else do you need money for besides a place to stay in food when you're 18, 19 years old? Oh, I want to go party. No. You're there for a reason. Learn. Get your shit together. You can have fun. But you don't need extra money to do that when, you have, when you're around your friends. Make some fucking friends. Go be a fucking asshole. Unbelievable. That's my plan. I think that would work. And like I said, allowances can be dished out so the kids can have some stuff to do extracurricular stuff when they're in their free time. When the time comes, after you set this in stone and get this process set up, because there will be funds available. There's a way to do this. There really is. And I'm worried that we're going down the wrong path with it with this one because, again, we're going to start getting into sponsorships with kids. And this this guy's the quarterback, and he's getting sponsored by Kia and doing Kia ads. And I have to work, I have to do fucking, deny, you know, fucking Demario's pizza down here because I'm the lowly kicker. It's going to get, there's going to be more frustrations in locker rooms. There's going to be more pull aparts. There's going to be a lot more problems. Pressure, pull apart, problems. The three P's in this bullshit. And the people that are going to suffer the most from this are not only going to be the kids, but it's going to be the product. And this is what I'm saying. If this is not for you, if, if that plan does not work for you, if you think you need all this extra money when you're, giving, when you're being given a free education, a free place to stay, everything paid for with that, a free, a free meal every day, free meals every day. If you think you're above that and you need more money, there are other ways to go. There are now other avenues. There are minor league teams. There are foreign teams that will take you. If you're good enough. If you really think you're that damn good, try it. Try it. But this plan is for the average college athlete, the one that's not going to be going to the pros in any sport, that can still be supported by their university and be shown support by the university without having to pay them extra money out of their pockets, which they, don't, they shouldn't have to do. Or regulating some bullshit sponsorship that they shouldn't be dealing with anyway because at the end of the day, these kids are amateurs. Adults is fine. Amateurs, though, you went to that university. You said yes. They accepted you. You enrolled. You're an amateur athlete. Just deal with it. Maybe I'm old school with that thought process. I think that'd be a fair deal. Reduce the coach's salary. Pay the kids tuition, room and board, and all meal plans completely throughout all three to four years are there. I think that's fair. We'll find out. We'll see if anybody's listening. But until then, guys, thank you guys for listening to episode 35 of the AK Switch Podcast. It is in the books. Of course, you can follow us on our Facebook page, AK Swish Podcast. Just type that in the search bar. You can go to Twitter, follow us at AK Swish Pod. You can follow myself, Kyle, 
or I should say at Kyle WTAM1100. You can follow Andrew at Drew underscore UNC fan Drew on Twitter. I want to thank uh, Anchor for, for being our loyal sponsor and supporter that got us all going. And of course, there are outlets as well Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to us. And again, until next time, Andrew will be back, but Kyle Cornell signing off, everybody. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next one. Bye-bye. The views and opinions of those who talk and appear on the AK Swish podcast are their own. Listener's discretion is advised. <laughs>